Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We continue our series today, Wisdom Matters, with a message titled, The Value of Wisdom. So let's turn in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 to 35, as we join Dr. Newfeld now. Almost everything in this world has some kind of value attached to it. Child is more valuable than a mosquito. Diamond is more valuable than an everyday rock that you find on a riverbed. A house is more valuable than a tent or a cave. Things have value not just because many things have a price tag attached to them, but they're valuable because they're useful or they're rare or even because of their beauty. And that makes us intuitively know that there's a scale as to how important things are. And since I've started a new series on the opening chapters in the book of Proverbs, a book on wisdom, it's important that we ask ourselves right at the outset, how important is this? I've already made that point yesterday that we live in a culture that doesn't value wisdom highly. I said we have no classes in university or even in high school, and for that matter, everywhere on wisdom. Now, the way I understand the value our culture places on things, we value, well, individual choices, but we don't value the wisdom of knowing what those individual choices eventually lead to. Wisdom is skill in living. It's living in such a way so that the outcome of our lives are positive and not negative. It's living with a future in view, not just the right I have to choose whatever I want right now. So let's start by placing a price tag on wisdom. How much should you pay to get wisdom? So let's start by reading Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and her left are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So in our first paragraph today, Solomon, the author of Proverbs, begins with the word blessed. And if you want to know how valuable wisdom is, begin with that word. And that word is one almost all Bible teachers and readers will recognize. We know that Jesus, in his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, began with that very word. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn and so forth. You know, sometimes to capture the essence of a word, we do well to consider its opposite, which is the word woe here. You know, Luke chapter 8, where Jesus preaches a similar sermon to the Sermon on the Mount. After using a number of blessed statements, he then turns them around and uses a number of woe statements. Woe to you who are rich now. You have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now. You shall be hungry and so forth. And so blessed means that our future looks bright. And that anyone viewing our situation would think that we've got it made. We're in the best position imaginable. And woe, well, that's the opposite. There are dark clouds on the horizon that will soon engulf us and we can't escape. You know, we might be fine right now, but that won't last. Our future prospects are grim indeed. So let's get back to our passage in Proverbs. Blessed are those who find wisdom. So stop again and notice how that's worded. Not blessed are those with a healthy degree of common sense or blessed are those who are born with the acumen for this kind of a thing, but rather blessed are those who find wisdom. 
See, the reality is that you have to be looking. There's, there's a search that is required. In short, you have to learn wisdom. It will require effort. But notice here that Solomon not only says that we need to find wisdom, but that we also need to find understanding. Now, to get to what Solomon wants to communicate to us here, we'll have to go back to the beginning of the book where Solomon tells us what the book is all about. So go back to Proverbs 1 verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. See, understanding the way Solomon uses that word in this book has everything to do with gaining insight. The Hebrew word for understanding is the word binah. It's a faculty we develop for discernment and for interpretation. That is, when we look at something, whatever that thing is, we're required not only to see something, but also to ask, what kind of a judgment or a value do we place on that thing? That's what discernment means. And so our text today says that the future of anyone who searches for and finds wisdom and knowledge, well, that's very good. Well, just how good? Look again at verse 14. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. And again, we need to stop here because I think the natural reaction to that statement is to say, I don't know if I buy that. Now, if we were to make a list of the things that you know we think are valuable, having the assets to carry out any lifestyle we wanted would for a great many people be on the very top of the list. Now, I know you know, in our pious ways, we might say you know, that we think that our lives lived before God is more important and that living wisely is important. But I think deep down, I suspect a number of us put it this way. You know, I shouldn't have to choose between wisdom and money, we think. And if I had all the money I wanted, then I'd have all the time to acquire wisdom at my leisure. And so if we are going to be absolutely truthful to ourselves, many of us will have to admit that we think that we should get silver and gold first, and then we'll have the time to get wisdom later. You know, one of the advantages that I've had from being a pastor for some 35 years is that I've spent considerable amount of time with people from, you know, every place on the economic spectrum. I spent considerable amount of time with people who were jobless and, you know, some who've lived in trailers. I've spent an equal amount of time with those whose wealth is in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And to be truthful, the people whose wealth is considerable have a high degree of confidence. But I've also noticed that a great many people who are wealthy do make great decisions as to how to preserve and enhance their wealth as well as their power. But I noticed that a great many of those very same people make decisions that will lead to the long-term collapse of their moral and spiritual lives. I've seen wealthy people lay the groundwork for their own spiritual demise, and that's not uncommon at all. I mean, Jesus' words come to mind, Matthew 16, 26 to 27. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. And that's the issue. If all you think about is your immediate future, then of course, silver and gold is a great deal more valuable than wisdom. Silver and gold will let you choose whatever lifestyle you want. And truthfully, so many people are quite content to trade in their eternal well-being for immediate gain. And so if you discount the matter of eternity, and if you discount the matter of having to give account of your life before God, then of course you're going to discount the value of wisdom. But what's fascinating about the book of Proverbs 
is not only does it speak about eternity on occasion, but it also speaks about the life that we have here on earth. Remember, this is a book addressed to young people who are just starting out in life, and to the young who still have so many years on this earth, Proverbs wants to make the case that if you're only thinking about your life here, the case for seeking wisdom over silver and gold is still to be preferred. So let's listen to the case for the value of wisdom. Verses 16 and 17 and 18. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and those who hold her fast are called blessed. Solomon's making the case for why you should expend every effort, or or you should do whatever it takes to get wisdom, and he gives us four reasons. Here's the first, long life. And it's interesting, this. Please don't think that Proverbs is promising you that you won't get cancer or die in an automobile accident. But Proverbs is laying the groundwork for how you live your life well. So let's start with long life. You know, often people will make numerous foolish decisions that do shorten their lives. Alcohol and drug use, as well as tobacco products. But there's also the general lifestyle that's not conducive to taking care of yourself. As well, there's this matter of choosing a life in which stress and loneliness and conflict makes up the sum total of one's life. I mean, each one of those not only affect the quality of our lives, but also the length of our lives. Next, Proverbs promises riches. And again, the way of wisdom is not the way of opulence or the pathway of the billionaire. But missiologists, I mean, those who study missions, uh, often tell us about what happens to a group of people when they come to Christ, and they notice something they call redemption and lift. Within one generation of a people coming to faith in Christ, their economic condition advances. It's not the prosperity gospel, but it is true that if you have no wisdom, and you're constantly in debt, and you max out your credit card, and you have no rain on your flesh, so they can't say no to anything that you want and you insist on living a lifestyle above your income level, that demonstrates a lack of wisdom. People who are wise take their wisdom into their financial lives and live better lives than those who are foolish. Our society is filled with hustle and noise. Everyone is in a rush to go and do. We always are striving to be productive, and too often we carry this flustered spirit into our faith. But what if God was looking for our presence and not just our productivity? God wants us to know Him intimately. This requires time, time to be still and silent with Him. So, in response, Back to the Bible Canada and Dr. John Newfeld have created a new 30-day devotional entitled Quiet Spaces, Volume 2. This is the next installment of the original Quiet Spaces devotional. This is your opportunity to take a moment in the Word, a quiet space for God in your day. So we want to send you this resource, Quiet Spaces, Volume 2, for free this month by just calling us at 1-800-663-2425 or visiting backtothebible.ca. The next promise that Proverbs makes concerning wisdom is that the way of wisdom is the path of pleasantness and peace. Here's the thing about folly. It leads to endless disputes. 
Proverbs 14.29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Quick to argue, slow to understand, rarely taking the time to hear someone else out. An ability to hold one's tongue and to wait for the right time to speak rather than simply going full bore into every dispute. Knowing where to pick your fights and knowing what things are worth fighting for. Indeed, wisdom will provide you with the knowledge that you shouldn't involve yourself in other people's fights. Wisdom will provide you with all of that, and as a result, not only will you have the way of peace, but you'll have rich and loyal friends. Finally, Solomon finishes up his statement on the way of wisdom by saying that wisdom is a tree of life to those who hold her. And when we hear those words, we might be, you know, taken back to the Garden of Eden where the tree of life is placed in the garden. And evidently, Adam and Eve never ate from that tree. Indeed, they are cast out of the garden and forbidden from entering it, lest they eat from the tree of life and live forever. So the tree of life then is eternal life. And Proverbs is then promising that wisdom leads to eternal life. That's because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and that's also because the way of wisdom is the way of righteousness. Proverbs 11 verse 30 says that the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And so it seems to me, therefore, that Proverbs is promising that if we take the time and acquire wisdom, that eventually wisdom will lead us to valuing the things of eternity as well as the pathway that leads us there. Don't you see it? silver and gold buy none of that. Wisdom will get all of that. And therefore, when you set out in life, don't set out to become wealthy, set out to become wise. Don't you see how different is this advice from the advice of our culture? Look, it's not wrong when seeking a job to ask the question, how much does it pay? It's a wise thing to ask. But I do know a lot of people who have a high paying job and who frequently end up with nothing. They immediately spend everything they have and even more, although they might earn millions, are left with nothing. Don't knock yourself out becoming wealthy. Knock yourself out becoming wise. And if you're still not convinced, let's look at the next thing that Solomon says is at the heart of all he wants to say. I'm reading here Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. Passage is interesting. You know, at the outset, before we study it, you know, it might seem to us that the passage is saying that God used some tool outside of himself to create the world. But when we read Genesis about creation, we're assured that God needs nothing outside of himself to create. God merely speaks and it stands. Let there be light, he says, there's light. God creates without effort. You know, it's often been said that there's no sweating deity in the Bible. I mean, how hard was it for God to create? Well, it was effortless. And we know it's not so with us. If we want to create, we require tools. I mean, the artist needs his or her brushes and colors. The the carpenter needs hammers and nails, as well as lumber, so forth. Like God, we create, but unlike God, we need things outside of ourselves to create. So Solomon's not saying that God couldn't create until he got his wisdom tool. Rather, what he is saying is that God didn't create without employing wisdom. Wisdom is an essential attribute of God. But I suppose Solomon is saying that God could simply have spoken things into existence without asking the wisdom question, but that's not what he did. 
To say that the earth is founded on wisdom means that the earth, every part of the creation, is made based upon the wisdom that God had. God was asking for an outcome in the creation when he created. The earth is made to glorify God. And whether it's the scientific principles of the creation that we're constantly discovering, or whether it's the way that nature is finely tuned, one principle builds upon another, or whether it's the theological purpose for creation, every facet of nature is the result of God having planned it out from the beginning until the end. God never creates and then says, well, now let's see what happens next. God creates with the end in mind. And if the great God did not act without employing wisdom, if the all-powerful God, who could have gotten himself out of any difficulty, should things go wrong, I mean, if he didn't act without planning the beginning from the end, if all things were already in his wise purposes before he ever spoke the creation into being, shouldn't that tell us something? If God acts in wisdom, should we not think it would be useful for us to do the same? Now then, our passage on wisdom is about to get personal. Up to now, Solomon has been making the case that wisdom is to be desired and sought after on a macro plane. But now he gets personal. Remember that the framework for the entire book is a father instructing a son. And so we go back to that framework now. Proverbs 3, 21 to 26. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Now remember the points that Solomon is making. First, wisdom is so valuable that it's more precious than the sum total of monetary wealth. And second, wisdom is so valuable that even the great God used it to create the world. Now says the father to his son, on the basis of this, you want to guard wisdom. It will become the task of the son never to lose sight of this one fact that wisdom must be guarded. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And the reason is given in verse 22, wisdom will preserve your life. The idea of walking securely and your feet not stumbling is the idea that you plan your life at all times with the best possible outcome in view. So think of the young man who gets involved in a gang world. You know, he has the promise of wealth that he could never get in any other field of endeavor. And yet, the amount of kids that get involved in that, that end up either dead or in jail, that's a large group. You're going to stumble, you're going to fall, if you accept the offer of instant gratification without asking the question of where that leads. And by the way, young people need to be told that over and over again. They need, because of inexperience, to be shown it, not once. It needs to be repeatedly reinforced. The best way to walk securely is to walk in wisdom. Now the climax of this section, verse 26. When you get wisdom, your confidence will not be in your clever designs. It will be in the Lord. And that's to say the best laid plans of men and mice often go astray. That's the old adage, but it's true. It's just as true that the ones who do things God's way will never falter. I've never met anyone in all my years who's ever told me this. I did it God's way, and I'm so sorry I did. But on the other hand, I've heard many say, I ignored God's ways, 
and if I could only do it all over again. And it's for that reason that we need to recount the stories of people who ignored the ways of God. We need to tell the stories of how their lives ended. And we need to hold up examples of those who were faithful and what occurred to them. And so in the last section, Solomon gets practical. Proverbs 3, 27 to 35. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. See, here are many examples of those who lack wisdom. The person who breaks his word to his neighbor. The person who plots evil against someone. The person who ends up in multiple disputes. The person who deeply admires the man of violence. And by the way, have you noticed novels, movies are filled with the hero or the heroine being a person of violence. Notice and take careful note. Proverbs makes it very clear that the outcome of a chosen way of life is not about a simple cause and effect. Something else is going on, and what's going on is that you or I can live in such a way in which the Lord's curse is upon us. Oh yes, I know the person cursed by God might not know that God's curse is on them, perhaps for many years, but in the end, that man or woman will inherit disgrace. On the other hand, when we live under God's blessing and follow His ways, we inherit honor. That's the promise of wisdom. John, thanks for your message. And, and you know, the notion that wisdom is something we must pursue, not just that, that by nature some may have it and some may not, but wisdom really demands effort, doesn't it? It sure does. Uh, fascinatingly, we don't think that learning to read and write comes without effort. Uh, we don't think that whatever field of study that we might pursue, I mean, we just assume that everything comes requiring effort and, you know, memorization of concepts and then putting those concepts into practice. How we ever, <laughs> you know, how we ever got to the place where we would tell people, just listen to your heart, or uh, let your gut lead you, or believe that you're the source of wisdom in yourself. Well, that's what leads to the lack of wisdom. Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our series, Wisdom Matters, right here on Back to the Bible Canada, Bible teaching you can trust. Do you ever find yourself wanting to spend time with the Lord in His Word, but don't seem to find the time? Well, here at Back to the Bible Canada, we understand some days are hectic and challenging. And that's why we would encourage you to check out our Back to the Bible Canada Bible Minute podcast. Each episode contains a one-minute audio Bible teaching message from Dr. John Newfeld, with new episodes Monday through Friday. These are perfect for those moments when you're seeking spiritual encouragement, but time is short. So you can download the Bible Minute podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit backtothebible.ca slash apps. For more information, give us a call at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. 
And thank you to all those who make Bible teaching resources like the Bible Minute available through your gracious gifts.